So, Morgan, what do you know what is happening tonight? Which holiday? No. Oh, I think I know. I remember now. Yeah. Hanukkah. Hanukkah. We just took out my Hanukkah menorah. It was the last year. I think it's you were there, and, and I blew up the the candle. Mm. You remember that? Um, a little bit I do, yes. And you know you're not supposed to do that, right? Yeah, you want to let it go out itself. But that's okay. We'll let it slide this time. You didn't know, right? Yeah, I was a little one by then. How old were you then? I think I was five. Yeah? Well, how old are you now? Six. So that makes sense. Having potato pancakes. Tonight you're having potato pancakes? Do you know what else those are called? Luckies. And what are you doing tonight for Hanukkah? Decorate the Christmas tree. <laughs> I'm so glad you called. <laughs> you heard the yum's the word it was started by a bird my name is robin and her hair has lots of curls actually i blow it out a lot two stories some awkward like wetting the bed next to your boyfriend pretty funny and absurd like your boss tickling your side boob so welcome all you nerds and cool people too this is for everyone except kids Yum's the word. Happy Hanukkah, everyone. Welcome to Yum's the Word. I am Robin Gelfenbein. Now, this episode was originally going to be nothing but Jewish smut. And then, just as Alex and I were about to record the voiceover, my niece Morgan called. So naturally, we kept the tape rolling. Oh, and for the record, potato pancakes are also known as latkes, not luckies. So today's episode is called Ha Ha Hanukkah. Why? Because I, of course, like puns, but also because we are going to pay tribute to the Festival of Lights, which is happening right now. Festival of Lights is Hanukkah. So we've got two great Jewish storytellers who are going to share their really sweet but somewhat R-rated Jewish dating stories. And then a little later in the show, you'll hear one of my original comedy songs about Hanukkah. It's a holiday favorite. But first, did you know that Alex and I put Easter eggs in every episode? Make sure you listen all the way through to the end because we've got a little bit more Morgan. And then go back to listen to previous episodes because we change it up every time just for you. First up is Kimberly Ray Miller. She is a really talented writer and storyteller. She's also the author of an incredible memoir called Coming Clean about growing up with a hoarder. This is her story about the highs and lows of dating an Israeli. So some people are addicted to crap and I am addicted to Israelis. 
they will just tell you. And if they want to marry you and have your babies, they'll tell you that too. And so when I met Avi, he told me that he wanted to be my boyfriend on our second date. What he actually said was, eh, shopping is what um, boyfriend and girlfriend do it. And I said, no. Um, he was shopping for his man purse. <laughs>
there because he was like, well, all the way to New York for my barbecue. So I just, you know, made out with him again. And, you know, a few months later he came back and he wanted to start dating for real. And, you know, I said, you know, you are a great guy. Any, any woman would be so lucky to have you. You're just not my guy. And he said, no, I'm not done dating you.
broke up at the airport. And surprising to everyone, including myself, I was devastated. For weeks, I cried, I like wouldn't eat, I would like moan on the phone to my mother, and she was like, what are you doing? You hated him. And I was like, I don't know, I miss him. And then I went on to Facebook, and there was Avi wearing pink skinny jeans and a white cut-off top and a heavy necklace, and I thought, okay, <laughs> you know, I dated an Israeli once. Uh, we actually met on J-Date. And it was sort of strange because he looked like Mel Gibson. <laughs> it was right around the time of the whole Jewish bashing episode with Mel Gibson. But anyway, um, his name was also Avi. And... Um, he invited me to dinner. We met at 6 o'clock, which is actually a little bit early for dinner, but I didn't really think much of it. And he didn't order anything to eat, which was strange, because why would you invite me to dinner if you're not going to eat anything? But I was like, I'm hungry. So I ordered something to eat, I don't know, pasta or something, nothing major. And at the end, he said to me, wow, you can really put away a lot of food, <laughs> which I was like, are you trying to impress me? Um, and after the date he handed me this huge bag with all of these gifts because I didn't know this but he actually worked at the 99 cent store so he had brought me all these gifts from the 99 cent store which included at least like a dozen candles um I got tons of lotion I got 13 pairs of socks like bobby socks that were like checkered striped all different things um he also gave me two uninflated mylar balloons that said you are so special and i was like taking these out one by one i felt like i was at a bridal shower because i was like oh wow thank you so much like over and over and over again and um then at the end much like uh kimberly's story he was like so do you want to be my girlfriend i'm like slow down dude Um, I just unwrapped like a thousand gifts all at once and all I could think though, like it was very generous and thoughtful of him, but all I could think was like, did he get the employee discount? Which meant like they were like 50 cents an item, maybe even less. I don't know. Anyway, so, uh, you can find Kimberly on Twitter at Kimberly R. Miller and her book coming clean is This month is $2 on Kindle for the entire month of December. It makes a great Hanukkah gift uh, or any kind of holiday gift that you choose to celebrate this time of year. Speaking of Hanukkah gifts, up next is a song I wrote about one of the, let's just say, most memorable Hanukkah gifts I've ever gotten. This was the worst Hanukkah gift that my mother ever gave me. Uh, So I'm going to send this one out to Margie Galfenbein, wherever she is tonight. By the way, I know exactly where she is. (laughs) Hi, Mom. (laughs) She's in Florida. How are you? Nice to see (laughs) you. All right, here we go. It's happy hour on a Friday night. The work week's over. I'm feeling hot tonight. Get my flirt on with Mike from Biz Dev. He says, let's get out of here, girl. I got room in my bed. 20 minutes later, we're on his couch, drunk fondling and making out. 
We're gonna do the deed. God, he's such a fox. But then I realize I'm wearing menorah socks. Menorah socks, menorah socks. Maybe he won't notice he's had eight scotch on the rocks. Menorah socks, menorah socks. This is one of the worst cock blocks. Menorah socks. Not even that religious. Mom got me these socks. Never had a bot mitzvah, and I can't stand locks. Ugh. Had I done my laundry like I knew I should. Right about now, I'd be getting wood. Menorah socks, menorah socks. Getting in my pants shouldn't be like Fort Knox. Menorah socks, menorah socks. Compared to these granny panties, rock. Menorah socks. I hope he doesn't think I'm the biggest dork. I can't read Hebrew, but I eat pork. I've waited six months to be with Mike DiPoli. Who cares if my menorah socks are a little holy with an E or without? Cause I'm funny. All right, that's it. I'm taking them off. First the right, and now the left. And oh no, oh no. What? Those? Whatever. In the morning as he rises and shines, he whispers to me, thanks for the fun, Gelfenbein. I step out of bed to see my reflection, and I fall face first onto his Star Wars collection. Menorah socks, menorah socks. Why was I so worried? He's got a Jedi lunchbox. Menorah socks, menorah socks. They're so much cooler than his mini Ewoks. They're so much cooler than his mini Ewoks. Menorah socks. Oh my God, that was one of the best nights of my life because I performed that song exactly a year ago at the Kennedy Center. It was such a fun night. It also happened to be the Kennedy Center Honors that night, and they were honoring Tom Hanks, Al Green, Lily Tomlin, some ballerina whose name escapes me, and Sting. I was like, what? Like I was in the same building with all of those people and Obama and Michelle Obama, of course. And it was just so exciting. Um, I remember when I was warming up, I just kept hoping that Sting would come in and he would look down and he'd hear me singing and he'd be like, Robin, you don't have to put on the red light. That was the worst impression of Roxanne I think I've ever sung. Um, Robin. That was all I wanted. I just wanted a little lick of Sting. That didn't sound exactly what... <laughs> we are not. I just wanted a little lick of a song from Sting, although eh, I wouldn't mind the other. Uh, I heard he's into like tantric sex. <laughs> anyway, next up is Amy Klein. Amy is an incredibly talented writer who wrote a very compelling fertility column for the New York Times Motherload blog. And this is her story about what happened with the least likely of Jewish suitors on J-Date. 
So it's 11 p.m. on a Saturday night in Los Angeles in 2005, and I decide it's time to start dating again. And by dating, I mean sitting in my pajamas, going in front of the computer, and logging on to JD. <laughs> of course, the minute I go there, and I am window pops up, and of course I ignore it, because the only people who I am you at this hour want an instant hookup. And look, if I want to know when I stand with someone, I'd go to a bar and meet a hot, strapping goy. Not go on to a Jewish dating website to meet an erotic Jewish boy. But something about Beverly Hills boy, I am, catches my eye. He says, I would like to do everything to please you. Now, I'm 35 years old. I've gone out with a lot of guys, guys who have liked me, guys who have said they've loved me, they've brought me presents, they've taken me home to meet their mothers. No one has ever said that they would do anything they could to please me. <laughs> So I tell Beverly Hills boy to send me a picture. He's 27. I picture someone like the situation, you know, tank <laughs> necklace, tattoo, muscle. No. Brett, that's his name. He's gorgeous. He looks like Jude Law. He's got sharp cheekbones, that hooded eyes, you know, gray slate eyes. And he tells me that he went to Harvard and he went to Yale for his master's and that he's a working screenwriter, as in paid. Absolutely. For a moment, I think, well, he could be making this up because people do lie on their profiles. But the best is yet to come. He writes to me, I want to be your sex slave. My what? <laughs> your sex slave. I want to fulfill all your sexual fantasies. Can I come over now? <laughs> now is in now? Well, he writes to me, do you have something better to do? <laughs> of course I don't have anything better to do. I'm sitting here talking to him, but a sex slave? On the other hand, he is cute and smart and employed and Jewish, and he wants to have a relationship with me. Okay, it's not that kind of relationship, but I'm lonely, and I'm tired of one-night stands. I'm tired of searching for the one. Maybe between the guy who's never going to call me back again and the one I'm going to be with for the rest of my life, there's this. I'm not sure what it is, but it's called a sex slave. <laughs> so I tell him, okay, but I'm not an idiot. I don't tell him to come to my house. I said I'll meet him at a diner. And I'm waiting there, and I don't know what he's going to look like. You know, is he going to be like a Harlequin romance cover with his shirt open down to his pubic? <laughs> but, um, no, Brett looks like any other guy in Los Angeles. You know, perfect. I mean, he's short because he's Jewish, but he, you know, wearing flip-flops, his true religion jeans, his perfectly stitched blue t-shirt, he's really yummy. So I say to him, hi, how are you? We kiss, we hug, we order coffee, we sit down, and then silence. I never really planned past the, like, are you a serial killer part of the evening. <laughs> so I go into my usual date spiel. Where are you from? How many brothers and sisters do you have? I don't even care about this stuff on a regular date. And I have to remind myself, this is not a regular date. So I finally just spit it out. So what does it mean to be a sex slave? Shh, he says. I don't want to talk about it here in public. Oh, okay, I'm sorry, Mr. Sexleave has boundaries. Ooh. <laughs> he pays the bill, and we walk outside. I check for the coast if it's clear. And I say again, I mean, I don't understand. Why are you a sex slave? You can have any woman. 
And I'm thinking, me, you can have me, I go out with you. He takes my hand, he puts it on his pants, and these are his exact words. I have a tiny penis, and I want women to humiliate me. I grab my hands away, I don't know if I should run, laugh, if I should look for a video camera, am I being pumped, is that what here? And then he says, I like women to laugh at me, and I like them to go out with other men and tell me about it. Uh-huh. Sounds interesting. <laughs> well, if you combine it with me cooking for you, giving you massages, doing your errands, even cleaning your house naked, it's pretty interesting. So, are you interested? He says, well, my house is a mess. I do need it cleaned. And he is kind of cute, you know? I mean, and no one has ever, ever offered me to fulfill all these things at once before. Maybe I tell him I have to think about it. I know. What's to think about, right? But I go home and I'm really considering it because, listen, I'm 35 years old, but I'm not a normal 35-year-old, okay? I grew up religious. I was told that I have to be a virgin until I was married at 22 tops. I didn't have sexual fantasies, unless you consider Mr. Prince Charming a wedding and a house in the suburbs a sexual fantasy. <laughs> I wasn't religious anymore, you know? I'm not religious, but um, I never really explored that side of myself. And I was getting the feeling that everyone around me was having this wild, crazy sex life. Everyone but me. So I decided it was time to, time to join the club. I tell Brett to come over. I open the door, welcome him into my house. So, this is my living room, this is my kitchen, this is my bedroom. I'm talking like a realtor. I should be talking like a realtor. <laughs> I don't know what a porn star sounds like. He just stops me and he takes my chin in his hands and he kisses me. And it's not like a sex slave, it's soft and gentle like rainwater. And soon we're making out in my bedroom, clothes on, then tops off, skin to skin. And I feel like we're in high school. Until he stops and says, so, you like a man with a big penis? I don't know, I don't know if I could do this. Um, I like a man who's good with his hands. I equivocate. He smiles and he says, thanks for not saying size doesn't matter. Then he starts to unbutton his jeans and he says, I'd like for you to laugh at me now. And I look at him, his eyes are big, he's so earnest, his boxers are peeking out of his jeans. And I think he's so beautiful. Why does he need someone to make fun of him? Why do I have to be the one to make fun of him? And I said, I don't know. And he starts kissing me again, and we're making out, and I am attracted to him. And I think, well, I might as well go through with this. I mean, I'm here now, I might as well. Wait, then I stop. What is wrong with you, Amy? I'm having one of those out-of-body moments that I often have in these situations. What is wrong with you? This is your sex slave. You don't have to do anything that you don't want. You should do exactly what you want. And I realize, okay, well, I've done exactly what I wanted. Some kissing, some cuddling, some company. And I hop off the bed and I um, get dressed. I walk up to the door and I said, let's save that for next time. <laughs> you know, because there'll be a next time, of course. I need my house cleaned, I need some errands done, and I need to <laughs> I really do think I should find some sexual fantasies to explore.
But when Brett calls me, texts me, he IMs me because I'm back on J-Date, I don't return his calls, I don't answer him because I finally figured out what it is I really want. I want a man who will do my errands, do my house cleaning, cook for me, and please me sexually, but I want to do that back for him in return. I don't need a man to humiliate, I just want a man to love. And it will take me a while before I meet that man, quite a few years and a cross country move back to New York. And guess what? After all my thousands of hours of J-dating, after all my cups of coffee, enough liquor to probably do permanent damage to my liver, I will not meet that man online. But I like to think that every person I went out with, from the builder to the actor to the real estate agent to the clown to the welder, each and every one of them has taught me what I don't want in order for me to meet the one, even the sex slave that I didn't have. Thank you. You can follow Amy on Twitter at Amy D. Klein. That's Amy, the letter D, and then Klein, K-L-E-I-N. Holy cow. I am so excited for our next show, which is almost sold out. It is Tuesday, December 15th at 7.30 at Le Poisson Rouge. I will be playing more of my original comedy songs. Plus, it's my birthday month, and it's Alex's birthday, and we have got a big lineup. We've got Cambry Cruz, author of Burn Down the Ground, Adam Wade, who is a moth darling and one of my very favorite storytellers, Connie Shulman, who plays Yoga Jones on Orange is the New Black, and of course, the one and only Jason Biggs. If you saw American Pie, you definitely know who he is. So get your tickets now at yumswordshow.com. The stories you just heard were recorded live at Le Poisson Rouge in New York City. The podcast is produced by me, Robin Gelfenbein, and Alex Fulton, who wrote the first song, and the theme song is by Mark Radcliffe. Special thanks to Vince Fairchild, Michael Steeter, Danny Artis, Megan Deneen, Ray Foley, and of course, Morgan. I'm Robin Gelfenbein. Thanks for listening. Happy Hanukkah, everyone. And until next time. I made it out of clay. They went as dry and ready. Oh, Dreo, I should play. Well done. Yum's the word.